Hey folks, this is Brian. Uh, welcome back to the For Films League podcast. Uh, in this little bit, it's just going to be a short bit of talking um, by myself, and then you'll get to hear episode 139, which is Mandy, which was recorded about two and a half weeks ago, and supposed to go on the air maybe two weeks ago. And, uh, but it didn't happen. And here's why it didn't happen. Life broke me. I was exhausted. I was panicky. I was unhinged from reality. I was functioning at a level of wired up that other people would call unproductive. And frankly, uh, if I had a really good doctor, he would have probably told me to chill the fuck out for a month and not talk to anybody. It was, it was bad. Life, <laughs> life managed to get a hold of me and uh, punch me in the face a couple of times. And as someone who's constantly waiting for the punch, um, it, it still hit me harder than I expected. So I needed to take a break. I had to, for the sake of my mental sanity, um, for the sake of not looking angry and fucked up on the show, for the sake of not saying something that I would eventually regret and eventually resenting all the people around me that still wanted to do the show, despite my obviously failing mental stability at the time of recording. It was not going to be their fault if that had happened, but I would have resented them anyway. It's the way my brain works, and I hate it. But I'm back. I'm grounded in reality. <laughs> I'm a little bit more comfortable with myself. I sort of iron down the things that make me a panicky individual. The two weeks really helped, and I want to thank Chris for being so understanding about the sudden nature of all of it. It came out of nowhere. Uh, the thing that triggered it was the third panic attack of the month. It happened. My brain decided to eat itself from the way out, and I had no choice but to take back and reevaluate how I was living uh, during the last couple of months. I'm back. We're back. We're going to figure this out and uh, get a recording schedule happening. So this episode is going to be episode 139. It was supposed to go out maybe two and a half weeks ago, but it didn't um, because of my own things, my own things I had to deal with. Uh, now it's coming out. All the dates in it are going to be out of place. It's going to sound dated. And uh, the sort of television and movie premieres isn't going to make any sense. But I've heard back the episode. And I think it's not fair to cut them. I think it's. I think I. I, I don't need to cut them out. They were nice pieces of content, so I'm gonna keep the episode as is and just add this at the top. So why am I saying this? Am I apologizing to you guys? Yes, I'm apologizing to Chris. I'm apologizing to Jonathan and anyone that ever listened. My own mental stability got in the way of the show. That shouldn't happen, but it did, and uh, I don't know how to deal with it. It was the first time that it happened. And I was borderline rude, uh, neurotic, and anxious, and unfair. I said some unfair things to some of the people that loved me the most. I lashed out, and I shouldn't have done that. And I want to apologize immensely to everyone that had to see me or had to deal with me during those two weeks that we weren't on the air. Um, it's not fair to stop the show uh, so suddenly. It's not fair to... Um, the people that want to do it and the people that have been looking forward and prepping for it the entire time. I do apologize for that, but it brings me to an, uh, to it brings me to a point. Mental health is important, especially if you're a content creator of some kind. Uh, it, it, take care of yourself. The show matters. 
the people working with you matter, but you matter as well. You know, sometimes life gets too much, and then you have to deal with that, and that's okay. That is okay. Especially in this sort of contrived social media world where every week that you don't post something means that half of you dies with it. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's difficult. It's difficult to manage your mental health in such a system. But I'm back. Um, I took time. I analyzed myself. I went into a mode of introspection that I had previously avoided. I am f identifying why I lash out emotionally. I'm identifying my stressors. And I'm making the changes needed to heal from those stressors and to make the people around me more comfortable around the version of me that gets stressed out mentally and lashes out like a sick dog in an alley that you're trying to feed. So, Chris, thank you again for understanding um, that life happens and that I was too unhinged to do this. Jonathan, you're in this episode, and thank you so much for being the guy that, you know, reassured me during the moments of panic that I had when I realized that I would not be able to continue the show for a little while. Um, it was it was good of you. And I appreciate both of you guys so much. And I appreciate the audience that we have. I'm sure you guys understand. And I'm sure you guys will have no problem with the two-week delay. But I still feel somewhat guilty. We have people that listen every week. And we have people that enjoy our presence, people that enjoy our conversations, and people that want to be part of those conversations. And I feel like I took something away from you by being so self-involved the last couple of months and, and all that nonsense. We all have things we have to face. I'm working on mine. I'm 23. I'm unbalanced. I'm angry. I tend to lash out. I am unhinged from reality every so often. I become ungrounded in myself, and it affects the people around me. And that shouldn't be the case. I'm working on it. And if you need to work on it too, um, work on it healthily. <laughs> Don't be angry at the people that love you, they love you, even though it feels like sometimes you're going to resent them for the rest of your life. It's just, it's just a fact of being alive, you know, and happens. Did I have a point in this? I don't know. The point is, episode 139 is out, and me and Christopher are going to figure out how to do the next schedule and how to get this fucking boat back on the water and get you the show that you all want. Uh, so that's going to happen. Meanwhile, while that happens, uh, I only have half an hour to get ready for my work schedule and figure out how to do this freelancing thing for a new job. Um, so I kind of have to stop talking to the mic, but again, thank you so much to everyone that has listened throughout the two years. Thank you so much to everyone that has been a part of the show. And thank you so much to Christopher and Jonathan for being the friends that someone like me so wholeheartedly needs in their life. People that understand you, people that are willing to work with you, and people that will not judge you despite your very many flaws and attempts at humanity that you just can't quite seem to figure out. So thank you. Enjoy the episode about Mandy. That's episode 139. And my phone just rang. I can't even do a good fucking like well-intended 
well-meaning introduction to a video without my phone ringing. I'm a professional. It's fine. I'll see you guys on the flip side. Enjoy the episode. Love you very much. And thank you. And I'm sorry for being the angry, unhinged person that I am from time to time. I will figure it out. I will find my balance. And you will hear me in a more sane way. Love you. Thank you, Christopher, Jonathan. Thank you for doing this episode. Sorry it took three weeks to get out. But it's out. And people are going to enjoy it. And I hope you enjoy it too. It's a good episode. Listen to it. I'll see you guys later. Bye. And welcome back to the Films Like Podcast, everybody. My name is Manor Sheet. I'm here with Chris Lucky and Jonathan Smathers. Welcome back, Jonathan. Uh, Thank you, guys. Nice to have you. Have it's you been guys, a while. Have you guys been? It's always, yeah. it's always like a while. Yeah, it, it mm-hmm. really is. It's like every 10 episodes I'm here. What was the last show you were on? I don't um, remember. Uh, was, um, was it the double one? Is it a movie? Yeah, I saw the double one. I saw the double one. Yeah, that's what it was. That's right, it was. Yeah, cool. Fucking good film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I recommend it to everybody I see, and then everybody that actually watches it sometimes walks up to me and he just goes like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not for their their palate. How you been, Johnny? I'm doing to? okay. Uh, been flip-flopping between feeling creatively enlightened and... Wondering what the fuck I'm doing with my life. Same old, same old. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds par uh, for the course. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's, a, yeah. that's all of our journeys right So there. annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Not, not <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just figuring it out. Yeah. That's but I hate, I hate figuring it out. I want to yeah. have it figured out. Yeah. <laughs> no, what about you guys? The feeling. I've been kind of the, the same way. It sucks. Yeah. Like being in a creative, trying to be in a creative field is, you don't really know where, how to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do it. Because no one really tells you. Yeah, anything. like there's, there's different ways you can approach exactly. it. Exactly. There's no defined way no. to where, like, this is the way to get there. It's like, no, there's like, no way. What do I want to do exactly? And, yep. Or what can I do in the meantime until I get to where I want to be? It's just it's yep. weird. Just like, there's to figure a, it all out. like if you wanted to be like a doctor, there's a structure, you know, it's like, okay, you go do this, then you go to this school, then you go to this, and then you go get that. Mm-hmm. It's just a very much structured yeah. out, you know, yeah. exactly. You know what you want to do. But, like, cr- but creatively, it's mm-hmm. not like that. They don't have that structure of this is the line you go, and then you get there. Like, no, there's a million different ways, and all of them don't get to the same place, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, and I feel like in a creative field, you, you really have to work, you have to like m- completely do it on your own. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not describing it really well, but you have to figure out how to get people interested in you and that's mm-hmm. fucking weird yeah no yeah. it is sort of this like i don't want to it's not meritocracy but the, this kind of like like you have to convince people that you're the guy that they want to yeah. be near mm-hmm. at any Just given faking time faking it till you make it i guess i yeah. don't even know that's that's kind of what i've been i've been rocking it's just i had that mentality it's just like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing i'm gonna pretend like i do and then hopefully it works yeah out i think that's what everyone's yeah. doing I, I, th- I feel like even the people that are like in it, you know, <laughs> they're just kind of like, listen, I'm just here now. Yeah. I'm just trying to bide my time until I yeah. can't make it anymore. Yeah, like nobody has everything figured out. It's just like the sum of your experiences, you know. So mm-hmm. if you've dealt with one thing in the past and it's like, all right, I'm not in fear or having any anxiety about doing that thing again. Mm-hmm. But there's still a million other possibilities that I could be going up against. So somebody that has 40 years in the film industry, they have a lot of experience behind them. Mm-hmm. But there's still a myriad of possibilities that's in front of them that they don't know how to deal with mm-hmm. at nope. that very moment, you know. So no idea. Especially if you're sort of like an anxious, like like an anxious, manic, depressive type person. Yeah. It's just like your mood fluctuates so unevenly oh, yeah. that some days you're just like, fuck yeah, I can write 30 pages today. And then the next day you're just like, what am I even doing? I should fucking get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. This makes no fucking it's sense. Odd, man. It's so odd. 
No, it's 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 crazy. Plus, I've had a bad uh, I've had a bad online diet. I feel like I've been getting really mad a lot when I'm on <laughs> on the computer or so, on the internet. I just I just whenever you just watch or just come not even like look for it, but just come across things. Yeah, just get you in a mood. I can't. It really, it's like throwing a match in a pool of gas. Yeah, man. it just it's throws just, me off, man. I just that's awful. sometimes I fucking hate that happens to me consistently. Like every time, there's like a news thing. Like the yeah. other day, I read. So DC released a comic book mm-hmm. that showed Batman's dick. Okay. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they because I don't know what happens in the story, but he had just gotten in into the Batcave, and then before he even got out of the bat, the bat car, he like fucking took off his suit. Walked into a room and then put on another suit. Mm-hmm. But in the moment from walking from the bat car to the other room, they showed a close up of like his like crotch area, and it's like really super high contrasty. And there's just like the tip to the half of his dick, just like on the frame mm-hmm. of the comic. Yeah. And it's just like it's like not a big deal. It's just Batman's cock. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Fucking internet went crazy. Really? So I now, had no idea. I didn't even heard about yeah. this. Is Batman not supposed to have a dick? Like, what, I guess. I guess it's not. I guess they mm-hmm. haven't thought about the bat cock. You know, it's just. What's it's, what, what we looking like? What we looking like? Measurements. It's, it's oh. like it's like a solid. It's like a solid average. He strikes cock. me as a nine incher. He's got to be slinging it. Yeah. yeah. Or he could be, you know, just overcompensating with all the crime Oof. fighting. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> he he looked little... like he had an average sized yeah. bat, like batarang hanging he, in there. He beats some, not beats. <laughs> I was about to say, he beats <laughs> some bad bitches, but it was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he hangs out <laughs> with a lot of really good looking women. He does. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jonathan. Yeah. He beats a lot of bad bitches. Yeah, he does. They are bad. <laughs> My so, they released that comic and uh, fucking Twitter. Twitter was laughing it up, yeah. and some apparently the, they got enough complaints about showing this Batman dick that now every iteration of that comic book that prints after this edition Done. will not have Batman's dick in it. Which means that there's two things that are going to happen. One is that that Batman dick is going to be very valuable. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the price of that comic with a Batman dick is going to be massive oh, yeah. because it's like literally one print, mm-hmm. like a one print run. Yeah. And then also. The, do we just not think about like all the women that are constantly sexualizing comic books oh, yeah. and just nobody bats an eye, but you put one dick nobody bats in the middle of one something you can page. find with a quick Google search? Yeah, yeah. Because I kind of I would like you Google, to see If you Google dick? Batman dick, you'll find it. Which reminds me of that like, cupcakes on Spider-Man dick. Batman dick, that's insane. Yeah, no, people go fucking crazy. So that, that in turn, that kind of like drove you crazy? Or? Yeah, because people wouldn't fucking shut up about it. It just it's just constantly on my Twitter feed. For like three days I had to like look at like see it, Batman's cock. Where, where, right where? there. Oh, this is it. Oh, yeah, this, this is it, yeah. Let oh. me let me see it. It's like the stupidest fucking thing. It's just what? Batman's cock. Pull the bright. Oh, I see it. Yeah. Oh, it? whoa, that's is he uncircumcised? Oh yeah, no, 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 I see the head. <laughs> yes. It's absolutely just Batman's dick. Wow. There's nothing sexualized, just a guy. He's fucking it's, got a dick. Yeah, like, it's just yeah. a guy walking just, around yeah, naked that's in his bad cave in that's privacy. Not, that's not as extreme as I thought it would no, be. No, just a dick. It's, it's just because Batman's been around for so long that they just see. Yeah, they but see, they see this and they're like, what is happening? Yeah. So that shit drove me insane for like three days. They want a Batman to like take his clothes off and be a Ken doll like underneath? I, I, they just, I guess they just don't want him to take his clothes off. I guess they just want Batman to be fucking Batman forever. No nipples, no genitals. Yeah, no nips, they don't have any no of that. Dicks, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. fucking crazy. So yeah, no, I feel you on that online diet. I've just been feeding into like yeah. 
stupidity. If I just like get into this, if I if, if I just look at an argument that's being had or mm-hmm. people opposing something and agreeing with something, I, the internet's just in general is just overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> it's it just does. it's just tough to like to f- bring your like center yourself after you've wa- looked through all that bullshit. Yeah, it's just a, then it's you're just walking through the day, just going like fuck, fuck, <laughs> fuck the entire day. And <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, but <sighs> what about you, Chris? A uh, maniac is what I've been into. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like from maniac. Friday night through now, I'm on episode six right now. Okay, I'm liking this show so much. I mean, I'm really enjoying. Jonah Hill, yeah, show, right? Uh, Jonah Hill, Emma Stone. Uh, there's a number of other people in it too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the writing on this show is phenomenal. I mean, past the fact that Jonah Hill is like giving me one of the best performances I've seen since maybe Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. You know, type of thing, because I mean, he's going there. Like, how how far has he have you done gotten? anything since Wolf of Wall Street? Oh yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he oh, War Dogs. He gets yeah. a good bit of work. Yeah. Uh, I'm on episode four. Okay, yeah, and it's good. Really into it. Oh, really, yeah. really into it. Um, what's, what's it about? Oh, Ooh, all right. So, um, yeah, like it's 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 so weird to like describe what it's even about, but um, I guess from the beginning, so we have this pill that's supposed to make you go into your deepest, most uh, darkest memories that you've been repressing for a long time, mm-hmm. and you confront it. That's pill A. You take pill B, and it's supposed to alter your personality based on the things that you've been trying to hide from yourself. Okay. So uh, Jonah Hill is a person who has a um, a very comes from a very affluent family, and the things that he's dealing with is um, just feeling like an outcast, not belonging to his family, feeling like the black sheep of the family. He's uh, attempted suicide a number of times. He's just uh, just feeling left out and, and alone. Mm-hmm. The uh, Emma Stone's character, her sister died in a car accident that she caused. You know, the, the truck flipped over a number of times, caught mm-hmm. on fire, sister died, and she wants to just keep uh, reliving that memory over and over and over, taking this pill. Uh, she goes into a, um, what would you call that thing? They, they, it's like an experiment, but... Um, clinical trial? Clinical yeah, trial. trial. Yeah, she yeah. goes, they go into they a bo- They trial. both go to, a, go, to a, go to a facility to get a... a a, go through a clinical trial to yeah. like test out this new med- medication, yeah. and I don't really know much about like what the medicine does at, at the point where I'm at. Okay, you. Have I you, don't know much about the medicine that much. Okay. Yeah. Um, have Have they done the test the um to test your defense mechanisms yet? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, is yeah, that, they, the, that the the B uh, or the C pill or something? Uh, no. When they uh, they take you into a room and they hook you up to a lie detector test and then they ask you a series of questions. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that part yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting though. Uh, only from mainly from a character standpoint, I like I like Jonah Hill's character, just mm-hmm. like real kind of quiet, stoic. Very, he's like struggling with like a some form of psych psychosis where he sees his brother, mm-hmm. and his brother's like telling him to do these things. And interesting, uh, so he's he's really kind of like messed up right now. And Emma Stone is just a drug addict who wants to take it to forget about. Uh, to f- just to forget about her horrible past. Well, not not like, even to forget about it. From what she says, she to, doesn't to feel, deal with it. To or deal with it, because yeah. she doesn't feel like she should progress any further in her life because she killed her sister. Right. So she just wants to just be with that memory over and over and over and live there. But it's like she's not trying to go forward. She just wants to co- become a junkie. Yeah, and she, you, you eventually see what happens to the people that continue to take the APL, which you'll find out like episode five. But cool. okay. she's good. She's real wiry. She plays like a real wiry kind of like yeah. on edge character. So, she does right. it really well. Nice. Oh yeah, uh, I love yeah, she, She's good. Yeah. She's great. And I think yeah, her personality, Jonah Hill's personality, they're they're really interesting together. Where yeah. where can I see this? Netflix. Netflix. Netflix yeah. Yeah. Oh, bad. Yeah. yeah. Netflix is getting Netflix is getting like I, I've. You know they get their original shows, but I've been finding out that they're getting like the the go ahead like streaming rights to like big budget oh, yeah. Hollywood movies. Like yeah. they're gonna get 
the Coen Brothers new movie before theaters do. Oh, really? Nice. They're going to get The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, oh, which yeah. comes out uh, like next month or two months away. That'll be interesting to see. Like, like it's going to be on Netflix first, and, and then, then it'll be in theaters. theaters. And, Is it going to uh, be on Netflix while it's on theaters? I don't, I'm not sure. Okay. I know Netflix will get it first, though. Okay. And they're going to get Martin Scorsese's next movie. Oh, wow. So that's in, that's been an interesting mm. thing to look up. They've been getting... The big like big pictures first. I mean, Netflix has gotten money. which is yeah, just goes to kind of show you like maybe the theater experience is kind of deteriorating with yeah. so much access at home to yeah. Well, you we don't you don't have to leave the the house. Yeah, so people uh, are just like oh, yeah. Martin Scorsese. He's like, I'll just put my shit on Netflix. It's mm-hmm. gonna be the Irishman. But this is what happened when like Telly was first introduced into into the living room. And mm-hmm. It's just like the 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 movie started to drop off. Yeah, yeah, movie started to drop off, and then that's how we got the widescreen and the Technicolor bullshit yeah. happening yeah. in cinema. So maybe this new boom inspires cinemas to innovate some other thing yep. and give us something else. Right. It's de- yeah, it's definitely tougher because I, I, now that I don't work at a movie theater anymore and, and stuff's not free. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have to, I, I feel way more selective. Yeah, no, like I'm sure. also not, I'm also kind of broke. So I don't, mm. I don't want to go unless it's going to, I know it's going to be a good experience yeah, or right. something I've been anticipating. Yep. So uh, I got Netflix at home. Just fucking watch it there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. I'm looking forward to the Coen Brothers movie. It's like a I, six, I no it's like a six it. part. Uh, it's like a, it's, it's like li- multiple stories. Listed as a uh, comedy drama western, and it has James Franco and Liam Neeson in it. <laughs> yeah, like, what is it? What is this? That's like? a yeah, good combo. It's like there, there's like six different segments or stories. Okay. And uh, I guess they'll all connect. But, I'm into uh, it. The Coen Brothers always. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. you all like, oh, you gotta say it's Coen mm-hmm. Brothers. Yeah. I'm into I'll it. watch it. Um, I've been watching Kidding. Like, what are they episode three now? Dude, they're in episode four comes out today. Oh, whoa, man, I haven't nice. seen three. I didn't know. I haven't three seen three out. either. It, it, it releases every Sunday. Yeah, I thought no. three no. wasn't out yet. You can tell, like, there's a lot of good shows out mm-hmm. there, but I feel like every time I watch an episode of Kidding, I'm like, this is something special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like there's something really special about this show. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's just a unique blend of like realism, the tonality Dude, of the absurd. It's so yeah. fucking good. It's amazing. And then Jim Carrey's performance in it, it's just completely beautiful. Like, I'm, I'm just hoping like these are the kind of shows that mm-hmm. I'll like I hook myself onto and they're so good that they get canceled. You know, you just, like seriously, like, you can tell that the writing is so good, but it's just like the audience for it. I can't believe that there's going to be a huge audience that can sit there and watch it and understand like how good this no. show actually is. But on Twitter, it's been getting quite a good, cause good. I, I follow the creator on Twitter yeah. and, uh, and I tweeted at him and like the show gets a lot of like good, nice responses on very Twitter. Good. People love it. It's a fucking good show. It's very man. good. I like so that the good. episodes are only like 30 minutes. Yep. Yeah. It's sweet. Just it's enough. quick and sweet. It's yep. nice. But yeah, it's fucking hilarious. I love how they mix in like <laughs> Mr. Rogers elements <laughs> yeah. and then like really disgusting like sexual tones, scenes yeah. and stuff. <laughs> I like the mixing of those tones. It's yeah. funny. I like the they're really they have a really nice sense of humor with the editing. I uh-huh. fucking absolutely love it. Like there's a couple of times when the 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 guy's sister goes to take the girl to the piano lessons and she just asks him, like, did you hand fuck my husband? <laughs> and then they cut to her outside going like, so what's your second favorite yeah, instrument? I, I like that a lot. It's just <laughs> oh my God, when they're fucking in the mascot, that's the funniest oh, shit ever. Fuck me like you hate me. <laughs> oh God. I, so I really, really, really love, love it. Dave Holstein did a fantastic job oh, writing. Man. And fun fact, that show like got rejected by like three other networks. I can, mm. I can see that. Yeah, before yeah. it got picked up by Showtime. Good job by Showtime. Yeah. I know, I know the guy that directed it, directed Eternal Sunshine. 
of the spotless oh, yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it's good. So I wonder good. if they got the director first and then they got Jim Carrey through the director. I don't know. Probably. I don't know, man. But but yeah, no, props I, to him. What range? Yeah, I'm really loving the yeah. shit out of that show. I've only seen I've only seen up to episode two. I'm catching up probably. Tonight. Yeah, I didn't know three was out. I'm like that whole like in what other show do you see like the main character who's hosting a TV show just struggle with the the gender identity of an otter? <laughs> it's an expensive otter twat right there it's it's funny it's fucking funny super unique and like the style the style of it is like akin to what i want to write too so i just i'm just absorbing the shit out of the show and like learning as much as i can from it it's so fucking good it's on showtime definitely recommend anyone listen check it out i also saw white boy rick oh was that good tell me it was uh it's 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 good it's good it's a little how, how do I want to say it? Because I don't want to drag the movie because the movie is definitely super good and enjoyable. Yeah. And the performance by Matthew McConaughey is amazing. Oh wow! Um, I, I really love, love Matthew McConaughey as an yeah. actor. He is he like he surprised me and when I saw him in Wolf of Wall Street, it was mm. the first time that I was just like, oh fuck, I actually kind of like this guy. Matthew McConaughey in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, he he played the guy who was like oh, real quick. Oh, he had a quick scene. Uh, yeah, yeah. Remember, yep, okay. Um, so I saw him and I was just like, oh wait, I actually kind of like this fucking guy. Yeah. Um, and then I saw him in Interstellar, and I was just mm. like, all right, I'm sold on McConaughey. He's a good actor. Yes. Uh, and so, like, he's just really good at playing that sort of fucked up, um, like, trashy mm. sort of person. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, the, he's really good at that role that he plays in White Boy Rick, and he's really convincing. But the movie itself drags on a little too long. Mm. I think there are segments where I could just be like, all right, I fucking get it. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, but really good movie, really solidly written. Uh, I think it just could have been like 25 minutes shorter uh, for me, okay. maybe like 15 to it's 20 minutes. It's kind of like meet, m- mixed, mixed reviews, reviews yeah. yeah. Because some of the perform the kid's performance isn't amazing. Yeah, uh, it's he's good, but he's, he's not there. amazing. Okay, and uh, everybody else in the movie was just kind of like not used to the best of their abilities. Like yeah. everything else was just kind of generically acted. It wasn't stand out. Yeah. So like it it makes the movie drag on a little bit near the middle, um, but. Fantastic story. It's based on a true story. It's like a really somber ending, and it's uh, it's good. It's good. I yeah. recommend it. I recommend that if you're if you're into Matthew McConaughey and you just want to see him, cool. I think it's a yeah. really good film. Yeah, the yeah. reviews for it too, or there are no bad reviews for it, but there are no like glowing reviews. So it's right. just like this is a good movie. So, yeah, yeah. Right. it's right there. And uh, but I watched that. I thought it was fine. Yeah. So, okay. Cool. Yeah. I think that that's all I watched. Anything else you watched recently? Nah. Yeah, it's been like a. I I rented Black Dynamite and I still haven't seen it. I really. That's gonna be coming up on the podcast. It's on our schedule. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, you put that in there? I I made the schedule. I haven't print or sent it out yet. Yeah. What movie? Black Dynamite. 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 Black Dynamite. It's the Um, Dynamite. How old is it? It's a black exploitation movie from the seventies. Okay. No, no, no. This is new. This uh, came out in two thousand and seven or so. Black Dynamite is that new? Yeah. Was it just made? Or it's a remake? Huh? Word. They nailed it. Two thousand something. Uh, two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Oh fuck! They fucking got me because I thought it was like from the nineteen eighties. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't remember that. Then just gonna be great. Oh. Uh, just rented that, and I rented this documentary called Kink, um, produced by James Franco, Ooh. directed by Christina Rovados, I think. All right. And uh, it's about you know the Kink dot com. That, that company, that porn production company. That I've, does, I've heard of it. Yeah. They do all the bondage, sort of fetishy type stuff okay. on, on like their site. Uh, 
Jen Shanker produced a documentary and Christina Robotos directed it, talking about like what they do. Yeah. Uh, and it's really fascinating because they, they are like a like a like a fetish focused porn production company, but okay. it's interesting to see their philosophy and how they interact at work and like just the conversations that they have on set. It's yeah. really fun. So I've been watching that. We're watching that. It's nice and nice. That's that's odd. Like the um, hearing what you're saying, what James Franco was doing with Kink.com and uh, the documentary, and now this show, The Deuce, is heavily about the porn industry and how it came yeah. about. Just I'm like, all right, so you were doing your research here. It was like, all right, well, I already got this. Let's yeah. keep it moving. Yeah. Have so, you watched The Deuce? Is The Deuce good? Yeah. I know they recently announced its final season. Do what now? The third season's going to be its last one. Fucking asshole. Cunt motherfuckers. Well, maybe this that is was shit their- that I'm talking about. This is exactly the shit that I'm talking about. Because, like, season one, it was good, but it wasn't, like, good. Like, Jonathan, you got to go hurry up and see it. You know, mm-hmm. season two is getting better. It's like, it's one of the shows that you can tell will peak around season three or four. Well, you I know? guess it's the only chance it's got well, to What if that's now? all they need, though? Three seasons. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think any show should run longer than five seasons. just my own personal opinion. Yeah. You know, but I am glad that they're cutting, like, letting us know that season three is the end as opposed to like getting to season three and they were going for five season and it's just over cliffhanger what happens but mm-hmm. all right yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well i'm sorry yeah, just going to, going to kill my show three seasons in all right. just so like uh just like the leftovers yeah, man yeah. yeah just like the leftovers yeah, yeah. Did that make it to three seasons it got three seasons and they killed was it yeah. the third season bad yeah real bad yeah. <laughs> I, heard, I heard season one is amazing though. it is yeah. season one and two are amazing I've uh, I I was listening to this is unrelated, but I was listening to Kristen Bell on mm. Mark Maron's podcast. Okay. Yeah. And apart from her being a fucking sweetheart, okay. uh, they were talking about the Good Place, mm. and it made me kind of want to watch the Good Place. It's good. And it's just because season one's really good. Yeah, because I wasn't into it, but I heard her talk about it, and I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. That seems cool. Yeah, season one is really good. You, I think you will enjoy season one. And then season two, it's like an insult of your intelligence to watch any longer because they're just <laughs> doing Christ. the same trope from season one, but then doing it backwards. No. So you're just like, all right, just let me watch this in reverse. Heaven, nope, now it's hell. Now it's just... Okay, right, so same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anything else you guys got? No. I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And we're going to cut and we're going to talk about... Uh... Don't you do that every Sunday? Every other Sunday. <laughs> Last week, I got to fuck off because it wasn't my week. This week is my week. <laughs> I got to do it. So I'm, I'm just hyping myself up as if I'm like, can't wait to go do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm tell you, you can't wait, wait till I wash them clothes. Yeah, there was a tonality of self-deceit in that. <laughs> I have to show you all my favorite screenshot from the Mandy movie. Oh, <laughs> Tessa was laughing at that at the very end of the movie. Yeah, Tessa I was, was gonna, laughing her ass off about that. I was gonna screen crap it and send it to you guys too. <laughs> I want this to be like a profile picture, yeah. just Fucking, covered, just covered in blood. Fucking Nicholas Cage. That's great. Uh, All right, let's get into let's it. Get to I got it. a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, Mandy, Chris, give us a rundown. Uh, Mandy came out in 2018, listed as a thriller action film with a runtime of two hours and one minute. Uh, The rundown is... Sorry, can I just say? Hmm? Two hours and one minute. Two hours and one minute. What shot in that fucking movie... Was necessary enough that you couldn't cut out sixty fucking seconds to make it two hours flat. Fuck you, panels. Go ahead. (laughs) The the rundown is: Mandy is set in the primal wilderness of 1983, where Red Miller, a broken and haunted man, hunts an unhinged religious sector who slaughtered the love of his life. Uh, the writer director is Panos Cosmatos. 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 He did the uh, the Beyond the Shit Rainbow uh, that we covered (laughs) a couple of months ago. Um, the stars of this is Nicolas Cage, Andrea Rosenborough, and Linus Roche, or Roche. How do you say that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, is that it? Yeah. Fuck, that was a short-ass rundown. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, uh, he did Beyond the Black Rainbow, mm-hmm. which I unapologetically hate. Same. Uh, well, uh, not hate, but yeah. No, I, no, I absolutely hate. I don't have I don't have many good things to say about it, but yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, Panos is a is a is a, is a fascinating filmmaker. Yeah. In the sense that he's unapologetically his own brand of filmmaking. Very much. Yeah. Can I ask how similar to like tone and like artistic flair wise was? Black Rainbow to Mandy. Undeniably the same person. Yeah, super similar. <laughs> okay, okay. Incredibly similar. But did Mandy seem to have more of a structure? Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. I haven't that, seen Black Rainbow. So oh, do yourself it. a favor and just continue yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, just don't. <laughs> Actually, do it. And when I'm interested, yeah. though. After watching Mandy, I was like, oh, shit, I have to check out his other movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, definitely, you can tell that it's the same guy. Even mm. if you'd never seen them in relation to his name if you saw them apart from each other yeah. you would be just like oh yeah that's the same fucking dude definitely would okay because um, you can definitely tell the stylistic flair is there yeah. the only difference I think the main difference is that Beyond the Black Rainbow seemed to be a clusterfuck of ideas mm. that just didn't seem to mismatch with the style that he was affording mm. and like he seemed to have focused all of the budget on style mm-hmm. versus on all of the technical stuff that would make the movie give it structure yeah uh, so Beyond the Black Rainbow, absolute fucking disaster for me. I I read that he mm. he was able to fund Black Rainbow based from residuals of a tombstone because his dad mm-hmm. is George right. Cosimatos, yep. and he directed Tombstone. Okay, I haven't so, seen Tombstone. I haven't seen it either. It's supposed mm. to be a really good it western. Is, yeah, eighty five or something like that. Yeah, but that's a good movie. Yeah, and uh, so that's how he was able to fund yeah. that one. And, and good good for him for being able to start his career that way. Yeah. But. Uh, the this fucking movie has a lot more structure. Yeah. I feel like it's it's a conventional movie story with an unconventional director, yeah. and I think that's like that's the that's the most interesting part about it because you know how the movie is going to be on a structure level because you've seen a revenge story mm. all like throughout your entire life, but the way that. Panos presents it. It's just fucking interesting and bizarre. He he makes me think of. Uh, did you ever see like uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pan's Labyrinth? Yeah. All right. So yeah. So like early on, you can see there's so much structure there. The structure is all the way there, and everything else is just gonna be flooded with Guillermo del Toro oozing all over what that structure mm-hmm. is. And I can see that a lot with this director, to where he now has a structure a lot more than this uh, Beyond the, the Shit Rainbow. Rainbow. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, he has a structure there, and it's just so stylized and just gushing out all over his, you know, it's just him mm-hmm. with the lighting and with the editing and the the way that he, the cinematography is, is just so much him to the point to where it's almost overbearing, you know, yeah. but, you know, but it's just like, Jonathan, what, what did you, what did you think when, when, is this your first time seeing the movie? Yeah, yeah, that's my first time. Um, I don't really, I can't really describe the grindhouse genre of mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like, when you describe Grindhouse, it's like low budget, maybe uh, super stylized in terms of editing, and mm-hmm. um, kind of like I, 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 I guess when I because I kept hearing re- reading reviews that it's like a Grindhouse masterpiece. Mm-hmm. So I guess Grindhouse is maybe that's what he was going well, for. Yeah, Grindhouse is kind of the, the the genre that like I would the Robert Rodriguez movies mm. would fall into. Yeah. Uh, okay, they're like just kind of violent like overtones. Yeah, they're they're sort they fall in the same vein of the 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 exploitation movies where like 
an, an element is so distorted and exaggerated in the film. Uh-huh. Okay, that yeah, it's yeah, that's undi- a good way It's undeniably it. that genre. And, mm-hmm. and so they became Grindhouse because they tend to be gory and to be gore horror or gore action scenes. And so, like, the gore is kind of, like, what attracts the viewer mm-hmm. into the genre. And then the rest of the movie is the interesting part. I, I have then, to preface this, rev- this review by saying I don't think it would have been good been as good, I guess, to me if it didn't have Nicolas Cage. Absolutely. This movie made me become, I've always been aware of Nick Cage, but this movie has made me become completely obsessed with him (laughs) to where the past week I have watched like, I've watched so many Nicolas Cage (laughs) movies because he's so fascinating to me. As an actor, yeah. Like he won, you know, an Academy Award in the mid-90s. For leaving Las Vegas, which yeah, is what that I watched. Was awesome. Hell yeah. uh, but he has this ability. For one, he has a weird face. Yeah, he does. But he he just has an interesting face. But he and his voice isn't interesting. Mm-hmm. But he has this ability to, in the same movie, be able to hit you with really incredible acting. Yeah. And also scenes where it's like he's trying way too hard. Can I give an example real quick of this? All right, so here's some very good acting. So they, they have him chained up or, like, bound up by his arms. With barbed wire. With, with barbed wire and around his mouth. And then they bring out his woman inside of a bag, you know, throw a lighter fluid all over and then burn her alive in front of him. And you're just watching him just in excruciating pain. And he has a stab wound to the gut mm-hmm. that was a knife forged by the pale horseman in the middle of the abyss. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was that about. was an oddly, that was a, f- a great exercise and recall because I forgot all of that. <laughs> it was just so funny to me because like they're just talking to him he's like, hey, look at this. And he out the knife like apropos of nothing at all. Nobody asks you anything about that. And it's from the pale night <laughs> from the official sector. Yeah, but like you, you're watching him and he's doing a great acting performance. You know, just how torn he is or how, how fucked up he is, you know, watching this. And then later on we get a, a scene to where um, he's chained up again because he eventually gets out of that. You know, yeah. we'll get into that. And uh, he goes after them then gets caught again and he's chained up, and then the guy comes up to him, and then he he slices his shirt. He's like, "That was my favorite shirt," <laughs> you know. And then he sees him again like five minutes later, and he was like, oh, "It was this guy, my shirt. You fucked up my shirt." <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes you try way too hard now we've gotten into the Nicolas Cage type stuff it's just over the top uh, so. I think I think the, the, the prime Nick Cage moment was when he was finally reeling from what happened yep. and he was in the bathroom mm. in his whitey tidies <laughs> Just like drinking, is he talking about one? Doing, yeah, he's, he's balancing in between wailing in horrible pain and taking swigs yeah. of alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, but but yeah, you like like the scene where yeah. his wife's being burned. Yeah, like it's a uh, he has these these moments. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched you know I watched Joe, I watched Leaving Las Vegas, I watched. Face off. I watched Face Off. Face off. I watched Lord. Of, I watched Lord of War. I watched yeah. Weatherman. Lord of War is good. Weatherman. I love Weatherman's Weatherman. great. That's and, underrated. But every single movie that Weatherman. he's in, it, it's his performance is pretty solid. Kick ass. Uh, and then he. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you good. The most recent one I watched was a uh, Bad Lieutenant, and I'm gonna I have to. I'm gonna have to show you guys the scene after yeah. the podcast. That's so I never that. he did one with a uh, funny dude. No, that was Mel Gibson. Never mind. What's the one? Did we cover a movie where he played his own twin? Yeah, Ad- adaptation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's he's solid. Yeah, I, I have yeah. a lot of respect for him, and and I 
I know he went through like a period of like bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's why he's, taxes. I think that's mm-hmm. why he's been taking on so many roles, maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe he. But uh, I watched interviews, and he's a real, you know, knowledgeable student of film. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever that he talks about his roles, he talks about, you know, what mo- he references a movie, like a really obscure movie. Is I was trying to channel Nosferatu from nineteen seventy nine, and <laughs> for this one. And, Klaus Kinski and uh, I was like, I respect his knowledge. He he struck me as a real genuine student of film. Well, he's one of those actors that, like, as a filmmaker, if you bring on Nicolas Cage to your movie, then you really have to know how you're using Nicolas Cage in Mm -hmm. your movie. Because otherwise, it has the capacity for him to give you a performance that is tonally deaf to the movie. So, like, like, he's a fantastic actor. And you have to let him run free so he can be that fantastic actor. But if your movie doesn't call for that Nicolas Cage freedom, then it can absolutely fuck yeah, up Yeah, if movie. it's too serious, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. He had a good period of, like, good drama, mm-hmm. serious roles. Lord of War is fantastic. Yes. Oh, yeah. Lord of War and Weatherman came out the same year. Those I'm are both really solid Adaptation, movies. like, that's a serious type movie. Yeah. Lord of War and Weatherman are on Showtime. Watch them. Okay, but and yeah. leaving Las Vegas, which was that's his, amazing. That's like that's yeah. the one he won an award for. An award for. Yeah. So yeah, like, Con Air. He's in Con Air too. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen Raising Arizona either. That's, that's really a Coen Brothers movie. I loved yeah. him in Ghost Rider. Man, I haven't oh. seen Ghost Rider despite the fact that because uh, <laughs> it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, yeah. As long as but we, I lo- we agree but I loved, I loved him yeah. in Ghost Rider. That. But I, I loved him so much in Mandy that yeah, it, it made me like fall in love with the guy because I used to be a humongous hater. Because he's, really I read that you know he, he his voice is fake. Like oh, he, really? He, he, like he developed that voice as like that. a persona. Yeah. And I know Nick Cage isn't even his real name because he's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. Yeah, oh, I forgot about Michael that. Keaton isn't Michael Keaton's real name either. But I mean, yeah. it's just oh like, really? I didn't know that. No, he changed it after Diane Keaton because she was popping in the seventies. Oh, and he wanted okay. To be Keaton. Yeah. That makes sense. He, uh, yeah, because I, I know his last name. I think his original last name is Coppola. Mm-hmm. Not I'm not sure. So he didn't want to have that name associated. Yep. That's probably a good brand his claim move. to fame. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Nicholas Cage, like the only reason I didn't, I feel like the the majority of the reason why I didn't absolutely condemn this movie was Nicholas Cage. Yeah, it was uh, fun. Because the movie essentially, so they kill his, this religious cult mm. sees his wife walking down the street. Yep. And then like what really is this gorgeous moment of cinema where like everything's super stylized. It's like a super red hue to the entirety of the frame. Yeah. And there's people inside of this car that are like mysterious and kind of weird. And mm. we see the cult leader and she's he was walking. Great, man, he was great. He really was great. And yeah. we see this like his editing style where like someone's walking and they dissolve into mm. the same so frame that off. they just came yeah. into. And it's just like, okay, well, that's interesting. And mm. then it has this, fra- this freeze frame that lasts like oh, seven yeah. seconds, yeah. meaning that from the POV of the cultists, like he really stuck on her mind. Yeah. And it's just like, like Cosmatos has really interesting moments of cinema like that that I really appreciate. Sort of like that moment in the like when they see this wife, the moment when Nicolas Cage falls asleep after they just killed this wife, mm-hmm. where like the television is playing this emergency broadcast test yeah. and it sounds like a flatline tone as Nicolas Cage lays on the like the pillow with eyes wide open looking at the camera. And I was just like that's interesting filmmaking. Like, that's a really cool way to symbolize that whatever this man was is now dead. And whenever yeah. he wakes up, it's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And so, like, those are really fun things of cinema. And, like, but he also has these moments of absurdity. Like, oh, yeah. the troll, the cheddar goblin. Yeah, I was about to mention the cheddar goblin. And he's just throwing a macaroni and cheese on all the kids' uh, head. And they're like, yeah! 
Fucking <laughs> <laughs> cheddar goblin. <laughs> but that's an act. That's like the guy that did. Isn't you- that an actual advertisement? I think I remember <laughs> yeah, the cheddar yeah. goblin. Yeah. <laughs> so like the guy that did the Adult Swim's recent Too Many Cooks. It's the same guy that directed that Shutter Goblin advert. Oh, wow. Uh, And so, like, I guess that makes sense. But, Mm -hmm. like, we've just seen this man's wife get burned alive. He walks into the house, puts on the shirt that I think she was wearing that belonged to him. Yeah. And then he just lingers on this fucking commercial for, like, 40 seconds. (laughs) And just reaction shot of Nicolas Cage watching the Shutter Shutter Goblin. Goblin throw up macaroni and cheese and kids all over the kids after his wife has just died and there's just something about that scene that just strikes me as hilariously sad mm. <laughs> and i loved it yeah and so like after watching beyond the black rainbow and then watching this it's just like i can appreciate his filmmaking yeah. in this movie because he has those weird moments those spikes of absurdity that really made this movie fall into what I consider the grindhouse genre. It it, it didn't uh, change for me until the um the man, until Mandy died. Mm-hmm. Until Mandy was burned alive, Nicolas Cage's character was a lot more subdued and just doing a lot of really good acting job up mm-hmm. until the death of Mandy. As soon as Mandy died, then the movie just flipped for me. Oh, yeah, I yeah. was like, okay, they're not taking themselves very seriously. It's like this isn't as serious of a tone that I as I felt like it was. They um he goes up to I can't remember the guy's the Carruthers was his name uh, the black guy. Yeah, yeah. he goes up to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. Got yeah. shot in the head by the Prater. <laughs> <laughs> he was um. So a Carruthers comes up. He's like, uh, "So what you hunting?" And Miller says, uh, "Jesus freaks." He's like, "Oh, I-, I didn't know they were in season." <laughs> you know. So it was like, okay, like they're not taking themselves super serious. Like we can have some fun here. But yeah, as soon as Mandy died and they just kind of let Nicolas Cage loose to do whatever he wants, it, it just evened it out for me. You know, enough to where yeah. I'm like, I can enjoy this without like critiquing it so hardcore. I hated. I hated the first half hour of that movie. I, yeah, he I was a understand. background. Nick Cage was a pretty much a background character. Yeah, yeah it was. Well, well that's the fucking thing that I hate about, about the Linus Roach Cosmatos, because uh, he does that in Beyond the Black Rainbow mm-hmm. too. Where like the main character is the lady, that's the girl that's breaking away from the cult, mm-hmm. and the, he also has a weird fascination with cults that I want to get into later. But so the the main lady is the character of the movie, and she's the one getting away from the cult. But we focus on seventy five percent of the movie and the cunt that's trying to keep her inside of the cult. Yeah. So he does that a lot, where he focuses on the antagonist of the film for like a majority of the film and then cuts back to the main character after they've undergone some sort of psychotic transformation. And it's just like, and that's one of my biggest problems with this film. The Mm. first half hour, I really just wanted to see Nicolas Cage and the wife interact. But instead I got a, I got a bunch of weird cultists. I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about Jeremiah Sand though. So Mm. I, I I wasn't as bothered by it, Mm. uh, especially with the horn of a brassic shit. Right. That shit was dope. Where he summoned them? Yeah. Oh, that was so cool. The yeah. way I saw the movie in theaters, so when Ooh. he when he blew that horn, you just hear uh, that echo. Of it. Oh yeah, it was amazing sounding in a theater, yeah. and then just seeing these like biker demons roll yeah. up. Yep. It was so interesting. It was it was so dope. But, yeah, uh, but apparently there were just bikers that did LSD and they yeah. just got fucked up. Okay, that's yeah. a good way to yep. yeah. Because oh my god, that sequence where he just barely like T- dips his finger just in dipped his just, finger yeah. in the acid and then yeah. it just shows his face melting. Yeah. <laughs> I liked, like, that was another uh, really fascinating yeah. editing trick to me. It, right. It, it, it meant a lot because, like, when you're saying just dipping your finger in there and what's happening to him, when we got to see 45 minutes earlier these biker guys drinking entire drinking jars it, of it, just like that. Oh, that so dude with the dude with the dagger, mm. that dagger dildo. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I read a thing about Nick Cage that mm. he he often improvises during his movies and it said like much to the chagrin of his castmates. So I play this game 
every time I watch a Nick Cage mm. movie, I try to guess the moment. Like, that was his idea. Mm. <laughs> like, what did he do? Because if you watch even his serious... Mm. In, in Leaving Las Vegas, which mm. is considered his most serious role, yeah. he's really drunk the entire time. And yeah. I read that he actually made himself drunk the oh, entire wow. time. Huh. And he fell through a glass table, and he got glass stuck in his uh, back. Oh, and Jesus. he was bleeding. And he just decides to say, whoops! And he goes, <laughs> I'm a prickly pear! <laughs> and I'm like, "That's him. that was his idea. That's just him. Yeah. So in Mandy, uh, the moment where he sniffs cocaine off of that... <laughs> that's that scene, yeah. I was like, that's, that shirt scene. that's his idea. <laughs> Maybe it was Panos, but I don't know. No, I feel like the whole scene was him. That, my shirt! My fucking shirt! And then flipping off on him. Then you see he just snaps his neck and then makes his face like... <laughs> that was like it's cheesy as shit. That was the moment that I was like I laid off on the movie yes, yeah. and I was just like oh okay, okay. Right. this is this is fun it's this is great. fun goes to sniff a huge amount of coke and then just goes off I'm like alright okay alright this is what we're doing this then alright I mean he fucking forged his own weapon yeah that was crazy it's yeah. so weird and so that's what I mean like it's a revenge movie that's a very clear structure yeah. then you got this motherfucker making his own broad axe yeah with like a like a sorted hilt, I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" Did you see when he threw the damn axe through the air? That was one of the best scenes. It just goes like a fucking tomahawk. The thing's like six feet long. He just throws it like an axe. Right through the air. Oh, it's great. Favorite fight scene. We got to talk about this damn chainsaw. Oh my <laughs> yeah, god, the chainsaw duel. <laughs> so unnecessarily long chainsaw. But I, like, this is what I like about the chainsaw duel. Mm. It didn't happen organically. No, it was. It wasn't like he like this the dude like cut off his axe in half or whatever. Yep. It was just like he saw the chainsaw. He dropped his axe and mm. just went like, "Oh no, that's what this is now." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm getting my chainsaw off. Then he pulls out a huge dick. I was like, "Oh, that's your dick? Oh, look, wait till you see my dick." And Which is just, a great comedic uh, visual because he like pulls it out and he takes a step back. Yes, and like pulls it out. Yes, it was a great, great decision. Like he's just dragging it out inch by inch, it's getting longer and longer. And you're like, "You, who in the hell needs that long of a fucking chainsaw?" You know. <laughs> And then, then like in, in the middle of the fight, it's like so he finally gets rid of the chainsaw. They both have chainsaws down, mm-hmm. and then he the the uh, the bad guy he picks a small chainsaw back up, and he just. <laughs> I was like, you haven't even done anything. You haven't done nothing. You just pick the chainsaw up. Nicholas Cage just slowly gets up. He's like, all right, picks up a chain, starts swirling around in the air. The guy just still stands there, like, oh 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 shit, oh oh oh, you know, I'll turn on my neck now, okay. around your neck, and then falls on the damn chainsaw and just blood spurting everywhere. Everywhere. I love the variety of weapons. He was like, yeah. you know, crossbow. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, my forged weapon. Yep. All right, a chainsaw. Yep. He's proficient in a number of different weapons. I liked apparently. the fighting. I liked the fight scene. Um, I thought the, the fight scene by the burning car was really that was dope. Awesome. That was yeah. a really cool fight scene. This uh, dude because a, a lot of them were corny, and mm-hmm. that was a good one. You think anything about like he took an arrow to the neck and then just kind of just like pulled it out and it was just spurting blood and it was uh-huh. just like whatever. I'm, I'm fixated on this to- fire. Totally ate that arrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, was so, that was great. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. Uh, it, it had elements of you know B horror silliness and also really serious, and then you know tones of like a really serious drama yeah. and. It was a good. I liked revenge. Revenge, revenge flicks are very satisfying. And I, you know, I read that he was really fascinated with the revenge whole genre. I don't know if that was what a part of the Black Rainbow movie, but uh, no, no, no. Well, it kind of. It okay. it's, it's like revenge in the loosest way, but mm-hmm. it's just like you can tell. Like, like, like Costamos is interesting 
thing about cultists. Like, mm-hmm. he's just fascinated with cultists. Beyond the Black Rainbow was also about an evil cultist organization that was concerning itself with reality and sort of ascending okay. above reality, mm-hmm. which is similar to what this cultists are doing. But I think the the exploration of, like, what a cult do and their oddly perverse, sort of sexually disturbing personalities. Because a lot of cults start off, like, end up, like, those sexually perverse things. Yeah. And so, like, it's just, like, you can tell that he reads up about cults and he's fascinated by mm-hmm. the cultist behavior. But he always seems to celebrate them a little too much for my liking, you know? Okay. Like, he fixates on them a little too much. He kind of celebrates their motives a little too much. Yeah. And, like, that's always my biggest issue with, like, in the two movies that I've seen from him. It's just, like, I don't really care much about the cultist uh, because you're not really explaining anything. And it just seems like you're celebrating them. So, like, I've never really, I was never really a fan of that bit. I never really understood who Jeremiah San was. Yeah, neither did I. But he interested me. Uh, I, thought Jer- he, I thought he was a weird, quiet. He was the guy, was he the guy with the uh, the robe? He was, yeah, the, he was the, the, the leader. leader. Oh, yeah. 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 He was awesome. I read <laughs> I read that uh, Panos originally wanted Nick Cage to be Jeremiah San. I can see that, yeah. I was like, can you imagine yes. uh, Nick Cage, the leader of a cult? <laughs> yep. I can definitely see that. Like, well, going in, going into that scene, but um, like I said, it was hard to figure out the first thirty minutes to forty five minutes. But when they um, they strapped her down, strapped Mandy down to the chair, and then put a drop in her eye, it, mm-hmm. it took me to I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be a Clockwork Orange type thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, what is that that they're dropping in their eye? Then I was trying to make the connection to that to what this guy was drinking, and then the, it really got into the LSD Clockwork Orange thing. Yeah. By the time they took her into the room, and she was so sedated, they weren't worried about her running away or fighting or anything. And then the the head of the court, he gets out in front of everybody, and he's trying to explain like how great that he is and how mm-hmm. she should be you know one with them and then he was like i got something for you right here i got another way that i express myself through music and then yep. he plays this completely shit song <laughs> yeah and then she's like oh, let me get he made or he's talking about him oh yeah. yeah she was like so let me ask you a question you made this song and he was like yeah i, I made this and at, th- at this point he's really feeling himself yeah. he's opened up his robe all seductively and yeah. sexually and like showing his shit dick <laughs> and she's sitting, still sitting there having a conversation she was like so you made this song and he's pr- proud of himself like yeah yeah i made this Mm-hmm. She's like, and it's about you? And he's like, yeah, it's about me. <laughs> and then she just starts bawling out oh, laughing, man. like laughing in his face hard as fuck. Like your song sucks, you suck, your dick sucks, like <laughs> all of that sucks. And he's just like goes on defensive. Don't look at me. Eric, don't look at nobody. Look at me. And he's just ashamed of yeah. shit. And then eventually burns her alive, you know, because yeah. of his fragile male, you know, ego. Yep. <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite ed- edits in that movie was the morphing his face into her face mm-hmm. you know, when they were when he when was were re- when he was really talking to her yeah. when she was uh sedated mm-hmm. from yeah. that fucking insect sting on her yeah. neck that was really cool the cherry on yeah top. but they kept like alternating morph like uh, i don't know the fucking terminology but yeah, morphing morphing mm-hmm. back into yeah. back and forth between their faces yeah. that was really dope oh yeah the the the, the instrument techniques are really fascinating in this entire movie like the and the lighting is good the the lighting is really good although i like my so I'm the kind of guy that I like my movies to be grounded a little bit more mm. in reality. I'm not super into the whole, like, meta-reality sort of heavy stylization in terms of, like, visually. Like, editing stylization, I'm usually okay with. But, mm. like, it just it just emotionally disconnects me from the movie if everything is so stylized. Yeah. And so, like... I didn't feel really attached to anybody. It yeah. was just kind of happening. Right. Know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Which is fine for the most part. But, like, in moments, like... If I wish we had spent more time with Nicolas Cage and the wife, mm. so that I got to know those characters a little bit. Yeah, more. I wasn't really like shook into my shaken to my core by the the murder. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't really know much about her. Nope. She was kind of weird. 
Right. And, and then, what, what, sorry, what was going on with the, the cartoon version of her? Like, what was taking place? Like, was she in an afterlife? She was or some reenacting kind? the book that she was. It was like a reenactment. Yeah, the there were some references I missed. Like, oh. the book was probably. I, I know the references in that book were probably heavy in that movie, but yeah. I didn't know much about the book. Right. Okay. Not that I. But I know that the, there's the image of her lifting, like, a strong green emerald. That green, yeah. Like, that, those are things that she was reading in the book prior to the murder. Mm. Um, I don't know how they link together. I don't know what the real thing is. I yeah. haven't looked into it. But it, there's just a lot happening. Yeah, it, that <laughs> confuses just a lot of know, decisions. Like, she's dead, and then everybody's like, she's still burning. She's still burning. And, yeah. But then they go back to showing her, like, one time naked in the lake, another time, you know, reaching in and grabbing the Emerald Stone. Yeah. And I was like, I'm completely detached from her storyline and everything that's going on after she died. Like, I don't know what's happening yeah. with her. And that's and that's a Cosmatos thing. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. really explain things yeah. he doesn't explain the cultists he doesn't explain how nicholas cage can fucking go psychotic. i never thought that was his, his intention though either. yeah yeah well that's the thing Just like kinda... i'm not saying he did he like he does it by accident he does yeah. it on purpose oh yeah it's a thing that, that like this like i i don't like about his movies because i want to know what the motivation is behind yeah things and so like it's weird because, like, what's the background between the guy from Predator and Nicolas Cage? Like, did they kill people we together? Did they hunt animals together? Like, just, what's the deal? Just open the door a long time, no see. And yeah. I'm, okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, those kind of things, like, annoy me from yeah, his side of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it's like, I can understand, like, from the beginning of the movie, we see Nicolas Cage with the chainsaw cutting down a tree. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, if you if you can handle yourself well with the chainsaw and some fights, I'm like, all right, understandable. Right. But how, bow and arrow, like archery? Like, yeah. you're dope as fucking archery? You can throw axes, like, through the air and kill people with, like, pinpoint accuracy? I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, like I don't know. He's like a logger, too. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't an assassin. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like it's, not, it's not like he's John Wick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. just a dude, yep. as far as I know. Yeah. Um, but like the, everything about the movie was like super fun. I, the filmmaking when it got to the parts where Nicolas Cage was allowed to go crazy mm-hmm. in his performance were the best parts. Yeah. That fight in his apartment and she's like, "You ripped up my fucking shirt," yep. and then just fucking breaks the guy's neck and mm-hmm. hoards a huge pile of cocaine. Yep. That shit had me dying. Yes, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Just the moments like that. The there's a there's a scene where he like kills a guy that's sitting on the couch like jerking off. Mm-hmm. And then he stabs him in the neck, and all the guy's blood just pours into Nicolas Cage's face. And he's still his mouth open too. <laughs> Teeth just taking all of it. Yeah. And he's like waterboarding himself with this guy's blood, and yeah. just like fucking laughing. Yep. And then it's just like that kind of shit is really fun. I, I like that. And um, as far as um the progression of a story too, because mm-hmm. I mean he will be our protagonist, you know, from changing the most and mm-hmm. just seeing that he's becoming them a, a bit. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. To where it's just like. They don't feel pain. They enjoy pain. Even even more, they like they enjoy pain. They want it. So like the burning alive, any kind of sensation, like they thrive in it. Mm-hmm. So it's like seeing the blood just pouring down on him. It was like okay, now you're you're one of them now. And by the end of the movie, that really is emulated because his voice starts sounding like like the Viper yeah. voice. Yep. And she's like, "I'm your god now." Yeah. She's like, Fuck, this got intense real quick. And and he's able to crush human skulls with his bare hands at yeah. this point. Bananas. <laughs> and like that scene was shot very like. Like orgasmically, mm. you know, like he's just like straining and then squishing this guy's head, and he just lets out this huge moan after the guy's <laughs> yeah. head is crushed between his hands. And I was just like, I'm uncomfortable with that, mm. but I like the imagery. Yeah. Did you see how like everybody was offering up sex as like no. the the last you know, yeah. resort? It's like I'll she, suck your fucking dick. <laughs> even, even the lady before it was like the, the high priest. He says that I have the best sex you never know, because of <laughs> empathy and I'm so sensitive. You know I can make you feel pleasures you've never known. Like that's okay. That's the last resort for you. And then go to the guy and he's like, Hey, I'll suck your dick. If that's what you want, I know that's what you want. <laughs> that's all anybody around here wants. <laughs> 
was like, all right. Which is, again, like another really good detail about Colt's behavior. Yes. They, they all devolve into some yep. sort of sexual yep. misconduct when I, they're about to fucking do something. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for the movie because I can tell that from looking, if you ever like have watched an interview from Panos, mm-hmm. he's kind of a weird, kind of quiet guy. He's right. a little odd looking, you know. Yeah. Uh, He's just kind of eccentric, mm-hmm. but I know he has like a, he's a big he's like a massive fan of just interesting forms of like entertainment. Yeah. Um, he he likes. Uh, I can just see his influences all throughout his movies, right? Uh, well, this movie, yeah. um, and I, I I respect him for that. It just yeah. it just seems like he did his best to make something completely for himself. I think mm-hmm. I think he did it. He just wanted to make his dream project. Yeah. And it just seemed like a, it, it, I, I respect him for kind of going, not really following, uh, I guess, a structure, mm-hmm. just making what he wanted to make. Right. Um, I'm not describing it really well, but no, I think I think I think you're right. Like he did, he is unapologetically Cosmatos, the filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't really take anything from anybody that he doesn't want to take. Like yeah. if he doesn't want it in the movie, he won't put it in the movie. Period. And the movie is pretty much his vision. And, like, I respect that, too. Like, as a filmmaker, that's really important. Um, and I really admire him for doing his movies yeah. that way. Um, but it is a very niche market in cinema. Oh, yeah. And, it, it, it's it's going to live in a lot of, like, film freaks, like, start close circle. Yeah. It's going to be a cult movie. It's absolutely not for everybody. No. And, and right. he totally probably had that expectation. Yeah. Um, absolutely polarizing film. Yeah. yeah. The reviews are crazy. It's like five stars or one star. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. got like an 82 meta score. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive. Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it holds up. Yeah. It, I think I gave it a 9 out of 10 only because... Shit. <laughs> I liked the style of it and everything. That's, that's I, that was just my I mean, thing. No, yeah, it's very well styled. Hell but yeah. uh, the lack of like emotional... It was just kind of an emotional disconnect. So I yeah. didn't give it a... I didn't feel like the story was very impactful when he, you know, finally killed the, the everyone guy. in the cult. Mm. And, just didn't hold that much for me, but mm-hmm. it was a gorgeous movie um, in terms of editing, and uh, I liked. Uh, yeah, I just liked it. Yeah, I liked yeah, it a lot. I liked it. There was this one. There was this one like line of dialogue that makes me think that Cosmatos did have a point with it, where it's just like where Nicolas Cage finally kills the guy, and he's just like, "Can't you see that this is your salvation? Like this was your journey. Mm. I'm your savior, whatever." Yeah. And then essentially signifying that Nicolas Cage has turned into one of the demons. Mm-hmm. At the thing, and it was all because of what this guy did. Yeah. And she's like, I like that line. Uh, and then it sort of shows the landscape be twisted by all the sort of fucked up LSD mm-hmm. that he did and all that. So, like, I like that a lot because it's the, it's it's a movie where I can tell that Cosmatos had a structure, had yep. something planned out. He did it his way, and it wasn't, you know, weird for the sake of being weird, yep. unlike Beyond the Black Rainbow. Like, he definitely... He is he's getting better, I think. Like I would see his next film to yeah. see how he improves upon this one. Um, but I don't know. I just, I just think it's a, it's an interesting film. Yeah, and he's an interesting filmmaker whose work I cannot connect with. <laughs> you know, like his, his, his movies are just like uncompromising, unapologetic. They are exactly what they, what he wants them to be. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying about Guillermo del Toro. Like I I would like to see what he's this director is able to do in five years and in ten years from now when it's not so important for him to have the movie like just gush over that this is my movie. You know, yeah. to be to need to be recognized so much. You know, by having it so heavy handedly him. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like he knows what he's doing. He's on the right track. And I just, I'm, I'm, I will definitely follow, you know, what he's doing yeah. from here on out. The, the movie was in theaters for only one night, and it was a live event. So after the movie, they aired, they, they streamed the um, post-interview with Nick Cage, Linus Roach, who played Jeremiah Sand, mm-hmm. and Panos. And they all sat, and they showed this at the theater, which I thought was really cool. They sat down with Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Kevin, oh, nice. Kevin Smith interviewed them. Nice. Oh, that must have been a fantastic interview. It was cool. It was yeah. cool to uh, pretty much just like, it was funny. Kevin Smith was just kind of like shitting on all his work. He's like, mm. I'm never going to do anything like this. This was masterful filmmaking. <laughs> but uh, he, you know, asked Panos, he's like, so, you know, I know people don't really like this question, but what's next? And because mm. he's like, his movies are like eight years apart. Mm. And right. he and Panos was just like, Man, I'm just going to. Go home and watch Masters of the Universe and okay. figure out what I'm going to do next. So <laughs> who knows when we'll get something else from him again. Yeah. But uh, he, he's got a fan. You know, I'm, I'm interested in him. Yeah. Same. 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 Same here. Yeah. I, I'm really like, like I, I really vehemently hate Beyond the Black Rainbow. But <laughs> this movie sort of reeled me back into him as a filmmaker mm-hmm. instead of his body of work. Yep. So I'm intrigued in what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what was so funny was in the in, in the in the interview, you know, they introduced everybody and they all came and sat down in their chairs and mm-hmm. one by one, you know, here come Kevin introduced introduced Panos and mm-hmm. he came out in like a sweater or like a hoodie and some pants, some like short pants. Mm-hmm. Right. Looked like how I would imagine he would look. Yeah. <laughs> Linus Roach, who's a pretty like looked like a pretty conserved guy, was mm-hmm. just out in like a Mandy shirt and some jeans. <laughs> right. And then they fucking introduced Nick Cage. <laughs> And this man came out in a gold jacket. <laughs> he had a gold jacket on, and he had black leather pants on. Yeah. And was he wearing sunglasses? No, he put them on mid-interview. <laughs> nice. I was like, "Fucking Nick Cage, dude! You're gonna do it? Fan for life? Yeah, like, I love the Nick ultimate Cage, flex. He just came. He's like 54 years yeah. old, dude. Yeah. Oh. Love the guy. Uh, I watched Mom and Dad recently too, where he's like, it's like a thing where parents are killing their own kids so just imagine nick cage trying to kill his son and daughter nice. <laughs> it's Crazy. great i fucking love nick cage yeah, so what, what, what would you what would you rate this uh one out of ten um like a seven five like a seven, seven five. five solid yeah. yeah i'll give it a I give, i'll give it a seven yeah. yeah i'll give it a seven yeah. cool you already gave it a nine yeah it's yeah. It, it was just it fell into what i what I'm into. Okay. Um, it, cool. it was a mixture of like, I don't know if you've seen the neon demon. Yeah, um, that's not great. But stylistic yeah. wise, yeah, stylistic it was like, it was like a mixture of neon demon and uh, evil dead to me. Okay. I, got that, oh, okay. I, I can see that. I got I that kind that. of vibe just like right. in terms of the blood and the, yeah. the monsters yeah. and stuff. I can, I can absolutely see that. Yeah. So uh, it, it fell into the type of stuff I'm into. So yeah. I gave it a good rating. But uh, that's it. That was uh, Mandy and we'll cut and we'll talk about a uh, television and movie premieres. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, hate, I still hate no subtitles at movie theaters. Oh, you're the movie theaters. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have subtitles either because I downloaded it. Oh, okay. I didn't want to spend money. This movie was expensive as shit. How much was it? Wait. Like $4.99 or $5.99? Oh, yeah, yeah, It might have been five ninety nine. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> to rent it? Did you just like rent it? To rent it on Amazon, yeah. That's I'm going to cop it. It comes out in late October. Nice. Yeah, yeah I feel like this is a good movie to buy. Uh, anyway. Uh, welcome back. Uh, television and movie premieres. Hey, uh, let's see. Television movie premieres this week from Tuesday, September the 25th through Monday, October the 1st. Uh, the first show is Wednesday, September 26th. South Park is coming back for another season on Comedy Central at 10 p.m. Let it die. 
Oh no! Don't die. die! Don't die, guys! <laughs> well, what die. season is this? I don't know. It doesn't it's like say. It's got to be like twenty-two. They're, they're up there, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's like I haven't been checking for them in the past few seasons, yeah. but it's just like I know that there's smart people behind it making the shows yeah. that refuse to stop making the show. Yeah. But it's just like I, I don't know. I don't respect their tenacity, but yeah. I'm just I'm just tired of hearing about South Park. Yeah, you know. I've been tired for like five years of hearing about South Park. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's their way. games are fun though. The oh, the South Park games are awesome. The games are great. Hell yeah. But uh, that's Wednesday, September the 26th. South Park's coming back on Comedy Central, 10 p.m. The next show is going to be Thursday, September the 27th. We talked about the show earlier, The Good Place. Nice. The Good Place is coming back for the third season. It's going to be a one-hour-long uh, show for the first episode. It's going to be on uh, NBC, 8 p.m. this Thursday. Nice. So Good Place. If you guys have seen season one or two, then hop on for season three. If not, just go ahead and binge. You know? I just realized that, like, I... Learned recently that Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell, Bell married. were married, yeah. and I led such a great couple. <laughs> it's just, yeah, fun. they look funny to me. I love yeah. Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, Dax, Dax Shepard seems like a fun person to to hang out with. Yeah, <laughs> he was in um, one of my favorite movies, Idiocracy. I love, yeah, that? we talked about Idiocracy. Yeah, oh yeah. Let's, let's see. That's a, that's the good place this Thursday, September the 27th. Uh, the next thing is going to be Friday, September the 28th. The Cool Kids is a comedy on Fox at 8.30 p.m. Uh, it's a multi-camera sitcom. Uh, it's by the uh, people from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Charlie Day is the head writer on it and the head producer. Oh, interesting. Um, it's going to have David Allen Greer, Vicki Lawrence, and Leslie Jordan in the show. Uh, Vicki Lawrence, if people don't know, there was a show in the 90s called Mama's Family, and she played the grandmother in that. So super hype about seeing <laughs> Vicki Lawrence in a television show. You know, so I'm a, hopefully, hopefully it does well because it comes on Fox. And just for myself, ha- have y'all watched, when is the last time y'all watched any television show that was on like Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, like those? Like when's the last time you watched, you turned your television on and watched the show? Well, I don't, I don't come have on cable. I, I mean, those those are regular TV. Those aren't cable. Well, I just don't have them on my telly. They just don't show up. I like, watch The like Simpsons. C- <laughs> like C- <laughs> that's it. Okay, yeah, that's on Fox. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like the general channel, like Channel 4, Channel 2, you know, just general television. Like, it's been like five years for me. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I, years for me. So like you for The Simpsons. It's like, no. So it's like this right here is on Fox. Like I hope they do well because it sounds great, but it's just like I'm not, and we don't do that anymore. No, we, don't no, we don't turn the TV on and then watch a show on a Fox or CBS or ABC. Where it's not happening. Especially for like a multi-camera sitcom. Yeah. Like That's just an outdated formula. It is. By now. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, I hope they do well, too. But realistically speaking, it is an outdated formula yep. and an outdated medium. Yes, by now. very so. much. But uh, the next thing is going to be the same day, Friday, September the 28th, MacGyver is going to be on CBS. <laughs> MacGyver. Is a reboot or is that it, just it's, it's, it's a reboot. And okay. they got the same guy from MacGyver from back in the day, and they added another guy. It's on CBS. So okay. it's like, you know, same. for nostalgia's sake, you know, people are probably going to watch it. But it's like <laughs> nobody is, yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not uh-huh. going to CBS to do it. <laughs> No, I'm not going to do it. But uh, the next thing is going to be Sunday, September the 30th, Bob's Burgers is going to be back. Now, so you can you could do something like Bob's Burgers. Now, this comes on Fox, but nobody's watching it on Fox. You know where they're watching Bob's Burgers? Netflix. Goddamn Netflix. Yeah. When it <laughs> stops streaming on Fox, and mm-hmm. then it goes into Netflix. Didn't yeah. the most re- I heard they heard in the season premiere of season eight of Bob's Burgers, mm-hmm. every scene, they had like guest animators. So yeah. every cut oh. in Bob's Burgers is animated in a very particular style. unique style. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So I was like, okay, I've never, I haven't really gone down Bob's Burgers. No, oh, that's good. But I I've like heard it. great things. It's really I've good. Seen the, I've seen, I think the only real episode that I saw was when Archer showed up. Like, Archer was pretending, he had a mistaken identity, he got amnesia. Oh, yeah, the chef And it's the same and voice actor, mm-hmm. and he was yeah. pretending to be the chef mm-hmm. in Bob's Burger. Because it's the same voice actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was the only real thing that I know about Bob's Burgers. Okay. But it's a fun show. Like, that, I've seen yeah. clips. 
the writing in there is great. The people that they have playing the characters are super awesome. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm interested in it. You can you can binge all that on Netflix time, yeah. and not be mad at yourself about it at all. But that's Sunday, September the 30th. Bob's Burgers, an animation comedy on Fox at 8.30 p.m. And another one is going to be Family Guys coming back for its 119th season. Uh, it's going to be on Fox at 9 p.m. They have so, to stop. They should. The family Guy. They should. I'm done. I'm done. It's hard to stop. Yeah. Show, I think don't, don't a lot of shows like that, like Simpsons does it mm-hmm. in South Park, yeah. and when you can constantly keep going off of current events, so yeah. just endless material. Yep. Yeah, but and I'm just, oh, fuck. I'm not going to watch. It's just been, it just hasn't been funny in like six years. I, haven't, I don't even remember the last time I watched a Me Family Guy episode. I assume it has been funny. I just have not. I'm not, and I'm not going to. <laughs> but uh, that's that for uh, for television. Uh, movie premieres. Uh, first movie is called Night School. It's a PG-13 movie with a 111 minute runtime. That's a comedy. Rundown is a group of troublemakers are forced to attend night school and hope that they'll pass their GED exam to finish high school. Uh, this Tiffany Haddish, Kevin Hart movie. That looks so boring. Yeah, I'm not. I gotta be honest, dude. It looks mm-hmm. so boring. I, mean, I like that. I like Kevin. I love Tiffany. You like Kevin Hart. I like Kevin Hart, but all I love right. Tiffany Haddish. She's, I'm a fan of she's Tiffany fucking Hatch. awesome. She's all right. The movie just doesn't look interesting to me. It's just your generic broad comedy. It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very much. Yeah. But uh but yeah, night school. So if um if you're a fan of Tiffany Haddish, uh, Kevin Hart, go check that movie out. This movie right here is actually produced by Kevin Hart's uh, production mm-hmm. company, so he's trying to make a, a come up right here. Yeah. I mean he's been all. making a come up. Well, this is his first time. Yeah. I think yeah. I read that this is his first time uh making a movie movie through his own his own company, yeah. Company, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, should be interesting. But uh, but the next movie is called Smallfoot. It's a PG it's a PG <laughs> movie that runs ninety six minutes. It's a uh, musical animation movie. Uh, rundown is a Yeti is convinced that the elusive creatures known as humans really do exist. <laughs> it's starring that's an adorable premise. It's starring Channing Tatum, James Corden, Zendaya, and Common. That's Common. Uh, Common, the uh, he's a rapper. I know who he is. Oh. It's just a didn't expect to see his name there. He's been acting for a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know he's been acting. He was in John Wick too. Oh shit, you were yeah. too. Yeah, John Wick one. Like, I like Common as an actor. I just didn't expect him to be in something called fucking Smallfoot. He does weird stuff. Yeah. He does true, all yeah. types, yeah. all types of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I guess you don't expect this. Channing Tatum, James Corden, and Common. You don't yeah. expect. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're saying there. Uh, let's see. The next movie is a re- reboot. A uh, Little Women. A uh, PG-13, 112-minute runtime. It's a drama family movie. Uh, it's a retelling of you know the Little Women book. I mean, did y'all ever see the Little Women movie from back in the days? Mm-hmm. It was critically acclaimed. Everybody watched it and talked about it for years and years. I'm not going to watch this. But I don't want to shit on it either because the first one, before they did the reboot, like that was like Titanic before Titanic. Not as far as sales, but you couldn't go to school and not have people talking about that shit all the goddamn time. Mm-hmm. But uh, Little Women, that's going to be Little Women's going to be a movie like next year. That's what I'm... From the Lady Bird director. No, not different from what you're oh, saying. Oh, different Little Women. Yeah, so that, that's weird. That's weird. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Leah Thompson is in that and a few other people, but that's Little Women. I'm sure it's going to be huge and people are going to go see it, but yeah, that's that. Uh, the last movie is a movie that I am actually can't wait to go see, and I'm sure that y'all are probably going to be into this too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called The Old Man and the Gun. It's a PG-13, 93-minute runtime. It's a comedy crime drama uh, based on the true story of Forrest Tucker and his audacious escape from San Quentin at the age of 70 to an unprecedented string of heists that confounded authorities and enchanted the public. Uh, it stars Robert Redford, Casey Affleck, and Danny Glover. Robert Redford, oh, Casey and Affleck, Sissy and Danny Space- Glover. Sissy Spacek, yeah. She yeah. was in um, um, Castle Rock. That's not what I'm thinking about. Is she she's the one from um, Space, like, the crazy mean. movie Jack Nicholas um uh Shining. Was that oh, is yeah, her? Yeah, yeah. No. no. Is that's, her? That's, uh, she was in Carrie. She was Carrie. Carrie. There Carrie. we go. Yeah. yeah. Carrie. Yeah, she was in uh, Three Women. 
Yes, yep. yes. Another movie that I unapologetically well, hate. What was funny was like Robert Redford <laughs> said this was going to be his last movie. He mm. said he was retiring, and then he just a couple days ago said, I made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, I guess he's not retiring. No. No. Not with the way this review is, this movie is getting reviewed. No, he's going to do more work. Yeah, it has an 83, uh, 84 middle score right now. I'm into uh, that. Talking about Shelley Duvall, mm. um, the lady in the movie that we just watched, uh, I forgot her name because uh, she has an unusual name. Mandy? Uh, yeah, Andrea yeah. Rosenborough. Yeah, her. Mm. Uh, she reminded me a lot of Shelley Duvall. Like, okay. She just looked like Shelley. Okay. And she had that face that kind of like sticks with you mm. the entire movie. Like sort of like Shelley. Spacey, big eyed. Yeah, yeah. spacey, big eyed sort of gorgeousness. Yeah. And the, 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 she just stuck me as a Shelley Duvall person. I could definitely see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, that, is that it? That is it. Oh, bet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Robert Redford. I haven't seen a Robert Redford movie. Uh, do we not do one for podcasts? Uh, He's considered like the he, pinnacle of he actors the guy. too. He's my favorite actors all time. No, we did like since I think since the one we did in the podcast, I haven't seen that word for a movie. Oh, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen too many. Like he was in the Sting. Which, we haven't done the Sting. That movie's yeah. awesome. Which I've Lon seen the showed thing. us. I've seen, yeah, I've seen the Sting. I love the fucking Sting. Yeah. Dude, when Robert Redford was young. He was a hunk, man. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. That's a good-looking guy. Absolutely. And he's kind of hank. Well, I guess he doesn't really need to hang it up. If you're good, you can keep doing it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not I'm not knowledgeable of his stuff. Yeah, all I don't know is that he looked good, and he's a good actor. Anyway, uh, anything else you guys want to say before we close this up? Mm. No, no, I'm good. Right, cool. Yeah. All right, well, uh, thank you all for listening to Mandy. I really do recommend this movie in a weird way, despite all the negative things that I said about it and what I've said about it. We all have like some, some, some yeah, negatives. Yeah. But I, I really do think that this is a movie that you should watch if you're interested in sort of cinema mm-hmm. and just on a weird filmmaking. I think you should watch it. Uh, it's fun. And uh, you can find us on Twitter or on the score FFS podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the FFS podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes podcast app, Google Play Music and Stitcher under the name for film's sake. My personal Twitter handle is at Brian Archilla. I'm at T-H-A underscore V-O-N-Z. Hey. hey, and I ask every time on a courtesy, but you don't have any social media you want to no, plug not in. Not right now. Okay, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jonathan, for joining us. Thanks, and guys. thank you for just suggesting this movie. Interesting yep. film. It was fun. Yep. And uh, we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.